The Catholics of Oz is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to episode 113 of The Catholics of Oz. Catholics of Oz is a show where we discuss faith, culture, and what's been happening from an Aussie perspective. Whether it's synods or science, apostolates and apps, providence or productivity, you can hear it right now on the Catholics of Oz. Hello, I'm Lindsay Sands. Welcome to episode 113. Thank you so much for joining us. So we've got full show because we have a full group of hosts. So I want to start by welcoming back my lovely sister who is, she was in the same hemisphere, but she's just moved up north of, to back to Victoria. Caroline Knight. How are you, Caroline? Kia ora. <laughs> I'm great. Thank you. Still in my New Zealand vibes, but yeah, um, yeah. great. Yeah. Really good. Happy to be home back in the nice summer. Although it was very warm in Wellington this year. Mm, when we were Which there. is different to normal, isn't it? It's usually yeah, cooler. It's not usually that warm yet. It's yeah. quite unusually warm. Yeah, yeah, but it was lovely. Really had a nice time with Phil's family and, yeah, a good time there. Yeah, very good. And you went and saw a soccer match, didn't you, there as well? A oh, A-league yes, match. it was yeah. great. We went to see the A-League match. So it was between Wellington Phoenix and the, oh, my goodness, Melbourne Victory. Melbourne Victory. And yeah. last time I went to a Melbourne Victory versus Phoenix match, I was in Melbourne. So I was among Melbourneites going for Melbourne Victory this time. <laughs> so we went with Phil's brother, who's a big Phoenix fan, obviously, because he's from Wellington. So we were plonked in the middle of all the Phoenix fans, which was 99% yeah, wow. of the people there anyway. Awkward. And whenever <laughs> whenever we got a goal, it was like, yay. And we're like, why isn't any? Oh, yeah, no one else is cheering because they're in Phoenix. And yeah. whenever Phoenix got a goal or whatever, and they would all cheer. And we're like, <laughs> me and my son just had fun being Mr. Opposites. Luckily, we didn't get beaten up, so that was yeah. good. But, um, New Zealanders are too really... nice to beat you up. Yeah, they're, oh, they're they too are, nice to beat people too up. Nice. Was, yeah. yeah, it was a really fun match. It was a lot of families around us. It's oh, a good. lot of kids yeah. and, and parents and so good to watch. And it was in the, the stadium in Wellington, which is big, but it's not as big as when you go and watch a match here. Yeah. So we were actually able to get a good get good close-up seat and we were able to – we had a great view because it was a smaller pit, smaller ground. It's still huge, but, mm. yeah, it's we were able to – yeah, see much closer. It was really great. Yeah, it was really fun. And yeah. Caroline, all around the world, they give stadiums nicknames like Thunderdome and all these yes. other great places. Yes. And in New Zealand, the stadium you went to, the nickname there locally, it's called? The Cake Tin. The Cake Tin, yeah. Yes, because mm. it looks like a big cake tin. Cake tin, yes. yeah. That's the, yeah. a lot of cake. The Cake Tin, yeah. But yeah. That's great. Yeah. Right. So I think New it was Zealand, Sky, it? Sky Arena at the moment. That's what it's yeah. called, so... Yeah, go. but it was great. Really fun. Really great. Really fun time. The boys loved it. They hadn't been to a live game yet, which I'm ashamed to say as being a Melbourneian. <laughs> we haven't seen any live games yet with them, but yeah, no, they absolutely loved it. They had a great that's time. That's awesome. It's always a great yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So, yeah, it's uh, good we'll to have, have you to back. Go and watch. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. But I think we'll have to go watch something soft together here. Definitely. Soon, whenever yeah. there's a match. But yeah. Definitely. And as always, joining us. It's been yeah. I was gonna. It's been a long between me introducing Carol and introducing you. But Lido Zavol, he's here. How are you, Lido? I'm good, <laughs> Lindsay. Welcome back, Caroline. Great to have you back, darling. Thank you. Very happy to yes, be back with you. Really listen to your soccer discussion because yeah, Melbourne Victory. Yeah, we're a good team. 
It's just the after match, but that's that's, that's different. That's what oh, happens. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Is but yeah, well, some issues in the fan base. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah get, it's true. Yeah. We need a bit of a polish up, but guys. The, it's yeah. true, but the players themselves so skillful. Honestly, yeah. they yeah. are really skillful. They did keep the go- the ball off Phoenix quite a bit. There were a few penalties that might have helped Phoenix come Ooh. to a draw. <laughs> it was yeah. such a controversial soccer games are all always caught, yeah, controversial. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, uh, yeah, what's that decision for? Yeah, yeah. Uh, always, yeah. Yeah. Phoenix have an yeah. excellent, in my opinion, the my expert soccer opinion. Okay, <laughs> the Phoenix have an excellent goalie, and that yeah. is what really helped them. Save Otherwise, them, yeah. Melbourne had the ball on their feet so most many of times. The time, but wow, yeah, yeah right, makes sense. They yeah. kept it down their end most of the time. But that goalie in Mel- in Wellington Phoenix, he is a champion. He, <laughs> cap- he caught everything. Yeah, with every dollar they spend on him. True, yeah. that is true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> and we got yeah. a team that's balanced. They're a great team. You've got one team that has been defensive and an offensive. It's it's a story of the Socceroos at times. We all have to be defensive against a team. We have to be offensive in other teams. But yeah, oh, it's great to see. A, yeah, a good discussion on if we can just go and see a game. Ah. Oh. I can't remember the last time I went to a part of the beautiful game. game. Yeah. yeah, the last time was back when we yeah. were NSL, National Soccer League, before what were they called? What we were called now? A League. Yeah, yeah. A-League, oh yeah. yeah, I think we went back <laughs> when with my brother back in the days, but it was only one game. Yeah, but yeah, yeah wooden yeah. seats. Oh, uh, yeah, awesome, mm. comfortable, interesting. Yep. All right, soccer let's roll on. A lot yeah, more now yeah. Than in the yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Lindsay, you may go. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thanks, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I was waiting for permission. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You can tell I'm back. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say let's roll on. No pun intended, but I'll put that aside for now. Yeah, we'll keep going. Yeah. You can use it now if you want. Go. Thank you. All right, hang on. Yeah, I need your permission to tell a joke now. So yeah, because most of them are terrible. So if you're new to listening to the Catholics of Oz, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating and some positive feedback so that we can hear from you and also reach new people, which is what we are all about informing a community around this podcast and around the network as well. SQPN also hosts the Catholics of Oz on YouTube. You can subscribe there by searching for SQPN and don't forget to hit the bell and get notifications for when new episodes of this show and all the other great shows of the network are released. With that, let's move on and talk about Faith Beyond Borders. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Spiritually, ecumenically. How do you make somebody love you without affecting free will? Welcome to my world, son. You come up with an answer to that one, you let me know. Yes, I had to work very hard to pass Latin and theology. Oh, quite. Those are, of course, the most important things. Oh, yeah. I'd sit this one out, Cap. I don't see how I can. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. So maybe we should rename the segment to Faith Beyond Thresholds because that's what I'm talking about today. Cool. <laughs> As I mentioned last episode, I've been doing quite a bit of reading on the topic of parish renewal, parish mission, missionary discipleship, blah, 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 all of these things because our parish is getting into this. It's the We're hoping that the journey will get into a first year of something a bit more substantial in, in renewing our parish so that it helps to carry on out the mission that Jesus called us to carry out, go make disciples, et cetera, et cetera. 
That's how Jesus said it. I'm sure it's a direct quote. So he said, "Etcetera, etcetera." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Catholics of Oz did not endorse the views of Lindsay Sam. Please see actual <laughs> biblical scholar to know what Jesus actually said. Moving on, did I need permission for that joke as well, or am I right to keep no, going? You, you should already be, had permission yeah, automatically. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it's it's easier to seek forgiveness than ask permission, isn't it? Totally. True. The, as yeah. they say. It depends. Yeah. And it's the best way to live life. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. best way to live life. Yeah, you, you got to try to do that with your partner and, yeah, things just go change. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, no uh, yeah. In the, in the, one of the books that I read was called Forming Intentional Disciples. It actually had a much longer than longer title than that, but that's the part of the title that I remember. And it's by an author called Sherry Weddle, who is an expert on on missionary discipleship understanding our charisms, how disciples are formed in parishes and, and so on. So that's the this one is different to the previous topic I spoke about last episode, which was about setting up a parish for mission. This is about understanding how people go from conversion to full missionary discipleship. And this understanding is it's not about here's a process you can set up. It's one day a person is this, then we move them to that and so on. In her research, because she does, she did lots and lots of interviews, discussions, discernment chats, and things like that. So in her discussions, these are the things that she noticed were the common trends when people went from conversion. I know sometimes we think of conversion as people going from one faith to the Catholic faith. But when I use the word conversion, a person dedicating their life to Jesus and, and saying yes to being a disciple. So that's, what, that's where I'm going at with this. She said that she noticed five thresholds of conversion. So I'm going to go through those briefly today. And I go through these to help people understand what the journey to faith looks like in, it, it, in, in most people, the process, the steps they go through in going from, I'm a bit curious about this, to I want this to be who I am, part of my life. I want to have a relationship with Jesus and I want to be a disciple of Christ in, in my parish and in the world. She said, when we think of people who are not evangelized yet. And by evangelized, we we mean people who have heard the proclamation of the word of God and accepted it. She said, we don't start unevangelized people with catechesis. I've heard a lot of people say, we don't do enough catechesis, right? Why aren't people becoming Catholic? Because there isn't enough catechesis. Sherry says, actually, that's not the starting point. That comes later. Catechesis is for maturing disciples, for people who have said yes to Christ and it's for maturing and growing their understanding of their faith. It's not for people who are not yet disciples or people who are not yet in the church. So she said that before catechesis, we need what's called pre-evangelization. That is everything that happens before the proclamation of the word of God to them. Then the proclamation that, and you know, when I say proclamation, sometimes you think shouting the Bible at someone, but proclamation simply means telling. She says, telling the great story of Jesus, explaining who Jesus Christ is to someone. But we've got to do it on their terms as well. Because you might have heard the phrase Bible bashing. You heard, I guess you've heard that before, where people preach and they think the more they preach, the more people listen, the more people will come along and so on. But we know that in our postmodern world, that's not necessarily the case anymore. It doesn't work that way. So instead of Bible bashing, really the job of a person who is a disciple of Christ is to walk with a person patiently on their journey and very importantly, not to treat that person like they're a project. This is a person I'm going to say. If this is more like you've expressed an interest in what this church does, and I'm happy to be an ambassador to help you understand on your terms. 
from where you come from without long wordy explanations and boring people to death and all these kinds of things. It's, it's really, I will accompany you as far as this journey goes. And if this journey goes all the way to Christ, then all the better. The five thresholds, the five crossings, the movement from one to another that she found in her research that was common amongst most people was the following. First of all, there's initial trust. And that is that a person is able to have a positive association with Jesus Christ. The second one is spiritual curiosity. And that is that they move from trust to becoming more curious about some of the faith elements about, about Jesus and they're starting to deepen their understanding about the spirituality of the church. They move from curiosity to openness, and that is that they acknowledge that that to themselves and to God that they're open to the possibility of spiritual change. They move from spiritual openness to spiritual seeking. So now they're starting to look more actively. They go from being passive to being active in understanding what God is calling them to do. And then from there, they make a commitment to intentional discipleship or intentional missionary discipleship. And at this point, she says, this is where they drop their nets. So Jesus uh, Jesus goes and tells Peter to, and some of the, the others to go and fish after they, had, they haven't had any success at all. They come back with a big haul and then they drop their nets and follow Christ. So they drop everything to follow. So she says the fifth step is where people drop their nets. Before I go into a bit more detail about these five steps, guys, does that sound like a familiar process? Is it a process you feel like uh, you've been through over the journey of faith? Or do you think that this sounds like something that would be common amongst people who are coming to an understanding of their own faith? I think I'd like to, I'd say that I'd like it to be that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not the experience we've had growing up maybe i don't yeah. know um no i agree with that yeah yeah i guess there's different approaches to evangelizing and things like that but i think this is a more level headed approach mm. that you're saying and a more nurturing and pastoral kind of way and it's gentle yeah <laughs> yeah way of doing it yeah so it's true i think that's what i got out of it yeah it is certainly nurturing and pastoral in its understanding of supporting a person into faith without, like I said, without treating them like a project or treating them like the lesser until they become the, the disciple. It's, it, is, it is a compassionate understanding accompaniment of a person. Mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Lino, any thoughts before I get into the bit of detail? Yeah. We, our journey through faith really, I believe, depends on how we were raised and taught. Definitely. But also how we listened. And when we're young, I must admit, at times you go to mass, you go, why am I here? And we were talking yeah, about Yeah, when we're young, for sure. Absolutely. And yeah. we were talking yeah. about that in the last podcast. We had a lot of questions yeah. on the word why. And um, learning about the why, it makes you understand mm-hmm. is this is how we're here. So that, that, that's, that is so true. Yeah, it's the, Our journey of faith is still going. Even though yes. we, some people think it's completed, it never will be completed. Never. Until we've face the Lord and in heaven yeah. and everything. And then we know it. But it's the journey that is in the-, yeah. the why is so important, right? Because mm. in, a, in another article that I read about missionary discipleship, for example, some people have been led to think that the why, like why we do it is because faith is transactional. That is, I do something, Jesus does something like yeah. that. But that's not, that's it's, completely inaccurate, it's, right? It is. It's, um, not, in, it's not accurate. Yeah. And it's, and it is portrayed that way to us sometimes too. Exactly. Yeah. Like exactly. You want something, you pray it, and you get it, and you behave yourself, and <laughs> you get good stuff. It's, exactly. And I think a lot, a lot of it is to also 
from our cultural background. Mm. So like mm. we're Maltese, yeah. you're Filipino. And exactly. I'm sure there's like lots of uh, – how do you say uh, cultural, cultural influences, influences yeah. in our faith? I, I, I'm not wrong in saying that. I must admit, we do have a lot of the word superstitions in our mm. culture in the Philippines. Sure, sure, sure. Can yeah. verge on that. Yeah, sure. yeah. That's another topic, of course. But yeah, yeah it's yeah. Just, um, yeah. we have yeah. those, and I go, and some of them go, in my younger years, oh, yeah, I, I accepted mm. it. But now it's, I don't know, when you get older, yeah. you go, mm, okay, that's a different way. Why? Sometimes, there's a question again. Yeah. Why do we have that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and when sometimes it's, I used to yeah. be like so mm. scared okay, into believing, like, yeah, 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 you yeah, have yeah, to yeah, because definitely. otherwise you go to hell. You do mm. this or you go to hell. Yes. It's like, really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. It's the transactional understanding of faith can lead to superstition, though. Mm. Superstitious True. practices, if True. you're not careful, right? Like, so you've got to be really careful about those kinds of things. But if we, Replace the word transactional. So faith is not transactional. Faith is relationship, mm. like you were talking about before. Like, then it takes on a whole new understanding. That's great. Right? That is great. And, and I think I've mm. talked about this in the podcast before, mm. like about how we've all known each other from a very young age. Yes. Yeah. But we know each other differently, better. We trust each other a lot more Mm-mm. because we've had the benefit of decades of knowing each other. And we know more and more about each other as the years go on. Exactly. And we're willing to share with each other some of the things that we wouldn't share with other people, the thing, mm. say things, right? Mm. That's relationship. And that's what relationship with Christ is like. Too, exactly. Is developing the five Definitely. thresholds, right? Yep. So moving Definitely. into. So the additional part is that in a relationship with Christ is that the final threshold, the full relationship with Christ is discipleship. Right? Christ specifically says, go make disciples because he wants the baptized to be disciples. And I'll talk about what that means in a later episode. I've talked about it before, but I've got some other things to, to add later. However, let's talk about this process of conversion. I won't go, I won't labor us into a big, deep discussion, but just some interesting things I learned about those five thresholds. As I mentioned, the first one is trust. And the book says that, that the first task of evangelization is to find out a bridge of some kind between the person and faith content of any kind. For example, the bridge of trust, the threshold of trust, might be that a person isn't Catholic, but they like Pope Francis, or they read something that a saint said that they like. We know people like this, right? Who They're not all. I've seen, for example, people with crucifixes in their cars, but they don't practice. So they have some trust that they would put that in their car. Or they have some trusts where they'd be like, okay, Pope Francis is a good guy. Or it could be that they talk fondly of a family member who who is or was religious before they passed away. My, I remember my grandma taking me to church and I used to love going with her and whatever it might be. They have some kind of bridge of connection to faith content, whatever that might be. All right. And, it, and it's an initial trust, right? So they are trusting enough of that content to be able to talk about it. So that's the very first threshold that that a person has. And it's important in that time to help grow that bridge of trust. All right. So that's what that's what a disciple or an evangelizer person who's accompanying that person in that first threshold is to help them expand and grow that bridge. Again, carefully, gently and so on. And the thing is, and Carolyn, you talked about, for example, sometimes, oh, if you don't do this, you'll go to hell and so on. Sherry addresses this directly. She says, but trust cannot be built if the evangelizers regard the unevangelized with fear and disdain. And she says, we can never evangelize what we do not love. So really, if you're the, I'm using the phrase evangelizer because that's what she's used. But if you're the evangelizer with this person who's has a small bridge of trust, 
maybe it's just a rickety old bridge that's on the verge of, of collapse with the first sign of a breeze or whatever it is. If you don't love that person, then you are not a good evangelizer, if that makes sense. That person's a project, they're not really anything, right? What we want to do is help that person to make that bridge stronger, build more foundation. So for example, let them lead the discussion. Oh, Pope Francis talked about loving the poor. That's such a great thing that he said, right? Yeah. He takes that from the gospel, which tells us, pull out Matthew 27. I hope I got that right. Or 25, I think it is. Sorry. When Jesus said, when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, you helped me. Or when you did, when you helped that one, you did it to me. So you can start building the bridge a little bit more without preaching and throwing hours and hours of words at people because that's a massive turnoff, right? So just these little things or yeah, I'm glad you said that about Pope Francis. Did you know that it's a non-negotiable that we believe in the dignity of the human person, regardless of who they are? That is a non-negotiable in our faith. Christ models that example. There's all these things you could start with, right? To just to build that trust. And it might just be a 10 minute conversation and then you part ways. And then it, it get you pick it up a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later. Or a couple of hours later, because the person liked what you said, right? So that that building of trust is a is the first thing. From trust, as the trust deepens, the person will eventually move into the second threshold. They'll cross into what's called curiosity. And what is it that they're curious about? The answer to that, she says, is our ultimate mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So she says the task at this stage is to in this journey is to first arouse curiosity about Jesus Christ. To do this, we have to talk about Jesus. So at this point, so we move uh, into curiosity, and this is where Jesus gets a bit of a look in, right? Where without saying, hey, have you heard of Jesus Christ? We talk about, we talk about the idea that Jesus is the central person of our faith, that, it's that Jesus is the person who we model our lives on, that Jesus is, is the perfect image of God and is a role model. And you might want to associate other on who's a role model that you like. Jesus is a role model for me, things like that. So deep in that curiosity, again, on their terms, what do they want to know? What are they asking about? And we do it, she says, in a safe, non-threatening way. And she says, you can easily quench inquiries by drowning a teaspoon of curiosity with a gallon of answers. So she said, match your response to your friend's level of curiosity and wait for them to become curious again. Now, she says that, Actually, we've come to accept as Catholics that this passive curiosity is the normal of Catholicism. A lot of Catholics are actually at the stage of passive curiosity, and they need to, they need to be supported to grow further than this. So as the curiosity deepens and grows because you've got a deep bridge of trust and so on, a person will move to the next threshold, which is openness. And she said, openness to change can sometimes be triggered by a major life event. Yeah. She said, for example, it that can makes be, sense. yeah, yeah. Um, she said, it can be the vulnerability that comes with unemployment or changing careers. Mm. It can mm. be new relationships, falling in love, marriage, having children. It can also be the wounding or death of a relationship or the death of a spouse. It can be a grave illness, a tragedy, some kind of loss. She said, but this can be a time when people are contemplating the deeper mysteries or conversations with friends. This is one possible journey to openness. We're not saying that people have to have that to be open, but there are all kinds of ways that people get to openness. Sometimes the curiosity becomes so strong that they do become open as well. And she says that as some people approach the threshold of openness, they, in air quotes, she says, try on what it would be like to change. And she says, you could stifle or ruin this stage by just going, 
you have to believe. That's it. You just have to believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But she says, resist <laughs> yeah. this urge. All right. <laughs> resist the urge. So you've just got to believe. I'm sure there are a lot of songs that say that as well. Usually they're love songs, bad love songs. But anyway, yeah. But she says, the journey to openness may well be a slow process. So you've got to be patient. Patience is vital. She says, at this stage, our care for the person needs to be genuine, no matter what they decide at this point, to walk away or to keep going. We have to show that, that we're not disappointed if they walk away because we are genuinely having a care for that person this whole time. So the openness is the idea of maybe trying on faith, just mm. seeing what it's like. What if yeah. I was a, what if I was yeah. a Christian? What would that be? Mm. What would I be doing? What does it mean? What do other Christians do? And she says that also a lot of these people are now midst already. They're already baptized, already Catholic. And so now there's some work to do to help them with their openness to moving that openness to the next threshold, which is seeking, all right, making, helping them to become seekers. So they're becoming a bit more active now. So in this stage, it is really helping them to develop their relationship with Jesus from there. So she says, don't worry about doctrines and things like that for now, but really just help to make the person of Jesus known through practice, through supporting this person to understand prayer, and also understanding that there are different ways to pray as well. So for example, uh, so she says, this is a direct quote, she says, if the rosary doesn't scratch the itch where the person itches, perhaps the liturgy of the hours, Lexio Divina, Eucharistic adoration, praise and worship. There are all kinds of ways to pray in the church. Taze prayer. What is, help them find a way to pray that helps them to deepen their relationship with Jesus. And that's the important thing there. And so while they're seeking, it's also a good time, strangely, it might sound strange, to understand the concept of sin. Oh, yeah. But, that's a huge but when we talk yeah. about But yeah. when we talk about sin, there is a way to talk about it because mm-hmm. there is sin in the way that you hear about it on television, which is <laughs> damnation and we can, we're bad people who can never be good and all, the, all these kinds of <sighs> things, all this nonsense, right? But she said this, we can help our friends to see that the Catholic tradition honors freedom but teaches that freedom is ordered towards virtue and that its misuse will guarantee loss of freedom. And I think that's fair enough, right? That if you think of all the vices that exist, that people that take over people's lives, the addictions that exist and so on, they are a loss of freedom. And we are a faith of freedom. We talk about how the closer we are to Christ, the more freer we are of those things that, that squash our life down, that pull us away. I talked about last year after going to the, what's it called? The Proclaim Conference, I said, yeah, Proclaim 23, how one of the speakers, Karen Doyle, talked about how sometimes a person will say to you, maybe early in your life or at some point, you'll never be good at this. And then that becomes our, we, we believe it. And then throughout our whole life, now nah, I'm I actually, I'm, I'm not good at that. We say I'm not good at it. And she says it's because someone has formed that pathway in there. And then she went through the whole process of how to use scripture to talk about capturing the thought, Mm. offering it Mm. to Christ and allowing Christ to heal that that thought that's been placed in your mind. And then the science of neuroplasticity, our brain, it takes over and helps to form a new pathway as well. But we do it with we do it in a Christ centered kind of approach. And so it sounds through some science in there, Karen. So there you go. It gets a Guernsey. Yeah. Yeah. But even with sin, all these things, it, it's limiting. Sin is, and so it's not sin is bad. It's that sin what makes us bad people is that it limits our lives. That's why 
we're not fans of sin <laughs> at all, all right? And so the sin is limiting, Christ is freedom. And so there's that conversation to be had because the person is already open. We've passed the openness. They're seeking now, so we have to help them with what they're seeking for. So that's it's important to have that discussion as well. And what we're moving towards is supporting that person to to drop their nets, like I mentioned before. So she says, at this point, it's usually appropriate to ask the seeker whether or not they are ready to make a commitment to intentional discipleship. She said, this is not judging the seeker. The right and the power to make that decision is a respect of their dignity. So it's about saying, do you feel like you're ready? Do you need more time? Do you want to do you think do you want to think about it some more? Why don't you think about it and then tell me what you think? Let me know if you're ready and, and then we can talk about what happens next. And she also said during the time of of seeking, prayer is really important. It's really important because this is a pivotal time where helping a person to move from seeking to discipleship, they can be quite vulnerable as well because it's a big decision. It's a big decision. When we're baptized as babies, it's all good. The parents made a decision for us. They're going to be part of the church, but we still have to go through these thresholds in our life, right? Uh, About making that big decision of, yes, I do want to follow Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Christ because that has massive implications for our lives as we know. It comes with joy and it comes with a lot of devastation as well, right? It can be very difficult too. And then from there, once a person is ready to go to say yes, to move from seeking to discipleship, this is the when we say yes to Christ and the implications of all of that. And I'll talk about that yes probably next episode there. I want to talk about some of the characteristics of missionary discipleship. And the reason why I want to talk about the characteristics is not to freak people out because when you hear about all this, especially if it's new to a parish, if a parish doesn't have this language yet, this can sound like you're not good enough. We want you to do more. Uh, <laughs> and that's really? not what it is, right? Wow. It's not what it is. Okay. No. Yeah, but it can mm. sound intimidating. It's like, hey, we're moving on a path to missionary discipleship. We're going to help you all be disciples. What's going on? Get me out of here. True. You know what I mean? That's I didn't true. sign yeah, up to be a disciple. That, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, that, that, you know, that makes sense. It, you can sound like a crazy person talking about discipleship if you're not careful, right? And that can discourage that person because they're the only voice going, but what about discipleship? So I'll say more about the characteristics and what you'll find is actually it's quite normal. It's not as bad as you think it is. Is. But I'll do that next episode. Otherwise, this will be a five-hour topic. But that's a basic overview. I don't do it justice. The book is actually quite good. I recommend it to anyone who's curious about this threshold of curiosity. Who's curious about it, especially if you are, if you consider yourself an evangelizer, if you're in RCIA as a person who is who teaches RCIA, I totally recommend it. Or if you're curious about the faith journey, even clarifying your own faith journey, because I find that if a parish doesn't have an intentional strategy for forming disciples, you either stumble into it by accident (laughs) or you're just turning up every Sunday. And that doesn't make you a bad person or an incomplete Catholic. I don't want to give that impression. You're not incomplete. There's just more to it. There's just a lot more to it. And Mm. that, that freedom of Christ, of relationship with Christ, why wouldn't you want it, right? If we believe it, why wouldn't, if we trust Christ, why wouldn't we want to go further with him in what it is that he fully wants for our life? And I'll talk about that and exploring charisms, et cetera, in another episode, right? Yes, I'm a nerd, I know. But anyway, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. um, before we move on, do you guys have any thoughts on what I was, about those five steps I was just talking about? Yeah, I'm, like I like the approach. I like everything you said. I think it's so relevant and such a good way of approaching helping someone to clarify their faith and try and explore it and perhaps move forward and come into the faith. 
I think it's so important not to be pushy and to be mm. patient and really to meet someone where they are on their journey because totally. it can just turn them around completely if mm. you say the wrong mm. thing or you not the wrong thing, but nope. if you're just too hasty about it, no, you've got to join. Oh, it's yeah, really yeah. great. I come love on, it. So hurry up. Why like, haven't you signed up yet? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You're still curious? Come, come on. Yeah, yeah. Come, come and do all yeah. this and you need to do yeah. this now because no, the world's ending. Me. Like you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Oh, that sounds it's, stressful. <laughs> but I've yeah. had that. Yeah. I'm Catholic, being Catholic all my life. I've had that approach to mm. me. From yeah, we Catholics. all have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. make me want to explore mm. my faith more. It wants me, makes me want to run away. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I like to do things slowly and explore. Mm. And exactly. I'd also like to do my own research. Like I'd like to listen to yeah. other people speak about the faith. And so there are lots of ways to do it. You don't have to be yeah. bashed into the church. No. Yeah, no. exactly so, right. No. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think uh, patience is really key and really mm. just seeing what the person needs and, and joining them on their journey, not taking yeah. them on yours. It's a different thing altogether. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah, 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 totally yeah. agree. Yeah. 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 Let them see that you, that you love them first, mm. that you are not their friend because you have an agenda, right, that you are really genuine, that you'll be their friend and be there for them regardless of what decision they make. Right, that, can you imagine what it would be like if they're like, oh, yeah, I don't think I'm, I want to do this. And then you're like, all right, and you part ways. That's the experience you're going to leave that person with. Yes, I knew, a, I knew a Christian person once and they were genuine loving. But then when I decided not to join to be part of a church, they left me. They, they weren't my friends anymore. Can you imagine yeah. if that's the impression that was left? Mm. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. True. Patience, right? True. Mm. Even family yeah. members who are, may not be where we are at the moment, we just yeah. have to be there for them when they have these questions. Yeah, you know, definitely. We all have yep. family members like that who may yeah. be in the, you, like, yeah. you think, why aren't they Catholic? Why aren't they pr- practicing? But mm, you can't yeah. force them. No, like, no, no. Yeah. Just be there yeah. and when they're ready, you'll be there for them. When That's it, ready, yeah. You know? exactly. At the bare exactly. minimum, could they say, I'm not a Christian, but mm. all the Christians I encountered mm. have been warm, loving people yeah. who have really cared about me. Yeah. And I know that if I walk into their community, I would be welcome yeah, anytime. Exactly. That's the impression, the bare minimum that, that you want ideal, to leave. Hey? <laughs> ideal, yeah. right? Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like a crazy dream, but this is God's dream. Mm. This is what this is the mission that, that we're called to, right? In yeah. building a Christian community. Anyway, I can talk more about that another time. Because <laughs> yeah. I'll be here forever. Yeah. <laughs> Lido, anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap this one up? Yeah, there is always that um, phrase part of it. Well, we talk about God, God is patient, God is kind, mm. God is mm. loving. And yeah. we take that as we express us, express that to other people who are going through their faith journey. And yeah. you guys have totally explained our faith journey at many times. We've got people going, oh, be part of this. And the person goes, oh, if you do this and that. And mm. those five steps make sense in the journey of a person who's trying to find why within their faith and how can I make yeah. my faith stronger? So that's a great step. Yeah. Like yeah. you guys say, we've got family members and friends who yeah, are either Catholic, they don't don't know their journey as yet. Yeah. Either there's yeah. many things why, you know, one, they've got too much on their plate. Two, there's got other things going on within their lives. And three, it's maybe they're not really interested in it as as their yeah. faith as it is. They're all worried about, not worried about, but concerned about their life. But all of us have it. All um, of us have, yeah. A lot. And, yeah. But 
these five steps helps us to guide the person within their faith. And uh, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. 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 Um, it's interesting to say that because sometimes since I read the book, in my conversations with people, I think mm, of it, it's like, mm. oh, this, the way that they're expressing their faith, they sound like they're seeking. They sound curious. Exactly. You know? oh, they exactly. sound at their level of there trust. Yeah, this is. person yeah. sounds really open. That person's <laughs> a disciple. You can, without judging, right? But just, yeah, yeah. you can make associations, right? And mm-hmm. she didn't invent this as a process. Like, here's a program you can do. Move them from here to here. No, She said, this no, is no, just no. the natural process that exactly. people go through on the journey of faith for based faith, on her observations of from thousands and thousands of interviews that she's done exactly. with people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this book is a treasure in understanding that if we if we want to be disciples and evangelizers and follow Christ in that mission that he's given us. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Great. Let's move on then. <laughs> Great discussion. Thanks for your for sharing your wisdom too, guys. I really loved what you guys had to say about that. Oh. So next week I'll talk about it some more. So <laughs> let's move on and let's talk about science. Ah, what a fine day for science. You have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Can you reverse the polarity? I'll do my best. Caroline, this will be the best science topic you have ever been oh, part don't of. Oh, no, Lizzie, you can't we, say we that. Are. Caroline's science topics are great. Oh, no, there's a reason why she'll love this one. Yeah, yeah Lizzie, but... you briefed me on it before we did the okay. before yeah. we started the episode, and yeah. it's actually. Yes, I like it. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> <She's gonna laughs> top 10? Okay. Oh, top yeah. 5. Yeah. 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 It's going to be one of her top oh, for, for 2024. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be in the top 10. Yeah. Now, what's happened is, Caroline, you've been quite busy still oh, settling sorry, down. From, yes. yeah, which is fair. Yeah, fine. And we know that when, when Caroline hasn't got time to do a science topic, it goes to me and Lino. And we know that, you know, we always find something weird, wonderful out there. A bit strange. Yeah. But it's and, still uh, science and it's fun. Still and, science you know, and it's fun. Yes. Yep. I think they're so, going to call us the uh, Roman Concrete Boys or oh, Brothers. Uh, I know. Yeah, all <laughs> the melting brothers? robots. Yeah, no, yeah. no, Murray Brothers yep. is too taken, isn't it? Okay. Murray Brothers, yeah. Oh, yeah, taken, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Cool. Yeah. Okay, Concrete Bros. Yeah. Concrete Bros. I am so happy I found this topic because this spoke Caroline. Nothing speaks Caroline more than the, the word <laughs> Pikmin, all right? Pikmin. <laughs> so, yeah, for those who have never heard this word before, P-I-K-M-I-N. Pikmin is a game on Nintendo, which started with, I think, the Nintendo 64, right? The GameCube. GameCube, GameCube sorry, yeah. Mm. And wow. it's a game where you're a pilot of a spaceship that crashes on an unknown planet and you discover these creatures called Pikmin. They're these little creatures of different colours that have leaves or flowers popping out of their heads. And, and they help you to perform tasks so that you can repair your spaceship and get away or whatever it is that you're meant to be doing. So I'll say more about what they actually are according to what the article says. But Caroline is a connoisseur of the Pikmin. A connoisseur? I love it. She she is the reason that Pikmin, that Nintendo keep making Pikmin games. We're up to Pikmin 4 now. There's even a mobile game as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which I play, actually. She is absolutely, yeah, the biggest fan that there ever was. And because of her, talk about evangelization. Caroline has. I've done a good job. My kids like Pikmin. I've played a couple of games and finished it. It's it's spread throughout. Jared and his family have Pikmin. Jared's children. Yeah. If only yeah. I could evangelize as well for Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go therefore and make disciples of Pikmin. Yeah. I've done it. Yeah. I've- 
I've done yeah. that. Bit. Baptizing <laughs> them in the name of the red one, the yellow one, and the blue one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And all the new so, ones. And, and all the new yeah. ones. Yeah. 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 yeah, and and all those extra ones. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> anyway, so I found an article from Science News Explores, which I'm going to summarize as part of today's topic, and it, it, I, I was okay with understanding it. And Caroline, because you're here, thankfully, you'll be able to, you'll be able to jump in and say a couple of things too. But it says Pikmin's plant-animal mashups don't exist, but sun-powered animals do. These hybrids may be the best of both worlds when it comes to food. And then there's a picture in the article. So if you want to see it in the show notes, there's a link. There's a little image of a, a red Pikmin there. And the caption says, all Pikmin sport a single leaf that can develop into a flower. Pikmin might host these leafy additions to get an added energy boost. And so we'll talk about more what the leaves. And I know Caroline's already got some thoughts on that too. Yeah, because she already read the article and picked out some of the inaccuracies. So I, I know you're correct oh, as we go along. Here we go. So it says this in the and uh, whoever wrote as Aaron Tremper who wrote this article must be a, a Pikmin fan or uh, at least so good. Yeah, surely. Really good. Yeah. So it says in the Pikmin video games, strange beings known as Pikmin help you survive on an alien planet. Each brightly colored Pikmin starts off as a sapling with roots like toes and a single leaf on its head. As the creature matures, the leaf transitions into a flower. Actually, you need nectar to make a flower, don't you, Caroline? Yes, you do. It oh. doesn't just mature. You need to eat, that needs to eat nectar. Okay. But anyway. Okay. So, oh. Unless it's planted in the ground for a while and then it does mature. To oh, you're right. It does. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. More about it than I do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, Caroline knows everything. I'm telling you. Yep. Sorry. Uh, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It does. Yeah. It makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. But these plant-like life forms behave like animals. So they behave like animals. All right. So they, for example, they co- cooperate to forage for nectar. They hunt giant creatures and haul prey back to their, not nests, Caroline, but... It's an onion. Onions, an that's onion. right. They call it an it's onion, yeah. It's a spaceship site sort of thing, but mm-hmm. yes, yeah, they call it an onion. <laughs> yeah, but they haul things back to their onions, which this article is called nests. Some uh, clear obstacles with explosive rocks. Others breathe underwater using gills. The article says they're more like animals, right? Now, plants here on Earth aren't quite as talented. However, mm. it's not unheard of for an animal to be able to practice a bit of photosynthesis. So what they're going on here about is that while animals, they we can have, we do also have our own plant-like animals, animals that can do plant-like things as well, just like Pikmin. These are known as mixotrophs, so creatures that, or animals that are capable of enjoying a bit of photosynthesis. They fuel themselves by harnessing the energy of the sun, just mm. like plants do. That makes but sense. they also, mm. yeah. But they also eat other organisms as well, like yes. animals do. So they've yes. got the best of both worlds. Yep. So some of these animals get their light-absorbing powers from microbes stored in their bodies. Others do it by stealing chloroplasts from the food or chloroplasts from the food that they eat. Uh, some mixotrophs even look like they're growing their own tiny leaves, just like Pikmin. Pikmin are most likely animals. All right, says Mola, a plankton ecologist from the University of California, Santa Barbara. So even here we are, we've got ecologists at universities talking about Pikmin, which I love. <laughs> so despite their leaves, Pikmin move on their own work and working groups. This suggests that they have a complex nervous system. Now, Nintendo hasn't confirmed this, but uh, it'd be great if they did come out and just tell us what they thought. All right, so maybe they have com- zeros and ones, something like that. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. They're more digital creatures, really. Yeah. yeah. But if they were real, they might have a complex nervous system, yes. just wow. on observation. They might be a mix of two different species. While they look like a single organism, these leafy critters might, in fact, be animals that host a plant ALGA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. In their body. Many ways to say it. Yeah. <laughs> so, like plants, most algae practice photosynthesis. 
They have special structures called chloroplasts that convert light and carbon dioxide into sugars. Wow. Certain, okay. Yeah. So this is the process of photosynthesis. Yeah. So certain animals in the real world have come to rely on these solar-powered algae for foods. Mm. So here are two examples. Mm-hmm. Coral. Okay. Good old ah, uh, stony coral. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. These corals often look like plants, but they're actually colorful cousins of jellyfish. Their calcium carbonate skeletons keep them anchored in one place. At night, most corals hunt using their stinging tentacles. Corals aren't picky. They'll feast on anything from small fish and floating eggs to microscopic animals called zooplankton. Corals live along tropical coasts and they can't rely on hunting to get enough energy. Coral reefs or the buildup of hundreds of years of coral skeletons. Yeah. They attract Mm. divers and snorkelers because of their crystal clear waters, but these unclouded views often means that there's little food for corals to eat. So tropical Mm. corals make up for this shortage by housing an algae known as, and I'm glad that they've got the phonetic spelling next to the actual (laughs) word. Yeah. So zoanxanthellae, they're called. This is a particular kind of algae. And they store this algae in their tissue. So they've got like a, would you call it a symbiotic relationship, Caroline? Is that a fair enough? Yeah. Good. Wow. Uh, it's trying to dig up my year nine science and remember. <laughs> so these reef building corals set up shop in shallow water where they're exposed to plenty of sunlight. The corals offer these algae, carbon dioxide and shelter. And so safely tucked away, the algae produce sugars and amino acids. The corals get most of their nutrition from these substances. Up to 90% of the materials in the algae photosynthesize are passed on to their coral hosts. The corals use these compounds for food and grow their exoskeletons. So there's a, an example of an animal that also relies on photosynthesis, just like just like a Pikmin, apparently. Another one, and this one is really cool. So you've got to get on the article, anyone who's, who's listening, and oh, check out the picture cute. of this crazy little creature that looks like something you'd find in Pikmin. These, yeah. So, so the title says Solar Slugs. Okay, so that's, yeah. So, Whoa. yeah. so not all animals get energy through photosynthesis are as great about sharing them with zooxanthellae. Some slugs steal chloroplasts instead from the algae that they eat. And this process is called kleptoplasty. Okay, so I guess like a kleptomaniac or steal. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh. So kleptoplasty is the process, and the slug is called sacoglycin. I think it is, or sap sucking sucking sea slugs. <laughs> Try and say that ten times fast. Um, so I'm sorry. They, they, give, give me something. When you say that sap sucking sea slug, is that like you're teasing someone? Or like an insult. An insult. We'll Get over here, yeah, sap-sucking sea slug. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's like an, an insult, yeah. They're doing very well. Like wow. Bloated sack of protoplasm. Yeah, you bloated sack of protoplasm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Brennan wow. Stimpy, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So anyway, these slugs, they don't house algae or give them a home. They actually eat the algae and, and oh. they've got little teeth where they pierce it open and they slurp up the innards of the algae. They, they suck up all the insides. Wow. And then they stockpile the chloroplasts from eating the algae in their digestive glands. Mm-hmm. And then the chloroplasts actually help supplement the slug's diet, especially when the algae are scarce. So unlike the corals, the slugs get most of their nutrition from digesting the algae itself. Terence Gosliner, a marine biologist, studies the sea slugs at the California University Academy of Sciences in San Francisco. Sorry, there's a lot of wordy wordiness today. But the chloroplasts are hidden in the slugs' bodies within fleshy folds called parapodia. And he says if you open the parapodia, 
the inside is just bright green from all of these chloroplasts. Mm, so mm, the mm. sea slug species can keep using the chloroplasts for nearly a year, but that kind of mileage is usually unusual. So most of these slugs maintain their energy harvesting machinery for a couple of weeks at most, and then they replace them by eating more algae. It says here, could Pikmin be hoarding chloroplasts from the food that they eat in the leafy structure on its head? Probably not. So, Caroline, I guess you'd agree with that too. It says animals that steal chloroplasts tend to be slow moving. Chloroplasts wouldn't provide enough energy for Pikmin to do all the lifting, the sprinting, and the battling that they do every day. They would need more energy than they consume. Yeah. So, he says, if and if an action requires more energy than you're capturing, you're not going to last that long. So, it says Pikmin would need a lot more leaves to soak up sunlight like the sea slugs do. The slugs that photosynthesize are often, they often have lots of leaf like appendages. So they grow things that look like leaves. So they can photosynthesize with the chloroplast that they steal. So it says here rather than a single leaf, you'd need a head of lettuce growing on top of Pikmin for it to work. (gasps) So it says here Pikmin might have another use for the foliage on their heads. It could be used to lure prey. And Carolyn, I think you might see this as a bit inaccurate. Um, But they're taking their cues from real real animals or real plants mm, yeah mm. yeah the flower could attract insects looking for a sip of nectar they could be fooling for fooling pollinators and coming closer before scuffing them up he says in this way pikmin could just be big flying venus fly traps it's it's interesting that someone has decided to do the science of pikmin talking about an animal that can photosynthesize or an, an animal that was also a plant <laughs> Caroline, give us a bit of an assessment of the science of pikmin what do you think what are your thoughts on this creatures that take chloroplast to make their food fantastic that is great mm. i love it and i love the little yeah. leaves on it however yeah. pikmin mm. don't have leaves on their head for to use yeah. to photosynthesize it's as precise, we would yeah. know if you played pikmin 4 you would realize you would know that the leaves the leaf they use is actually to help them breathe on the planet that they're on there you because go when the little hoctation, the, the when you're the little spacemen that come to the planet where the Pikmin are, they actually have a helmet on, and a part in the game where the they get stolen and then taken into a little cave and they're turned into a head of leaves, which uh. means they don't need to wear their helmet anymore and they're able to breathe on the planet. Oh. That's how we got to get that from that. But yes, yeah. uh, there's a lot to the Pikmin game. There's so much, yeah. but. Uh, Fascinating, totally fascinating article. I love it and I love yeah. how someone was able to relate, relate Pikmin to real creatures. And just as a side note though, this is also Pikmin and science together. Yeah. A lot of the like little enemy creatures that are in Pikmin, because it's very gardeny, right? So yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of plants and insects, but insects that they've based, the creatures are based on real life insects. So mm. like you'll have some called like bull bulbs that they go around and they chew ah, yes. the Pikmin up. And, but there's also um, something that looks very much like my green leaf insect. So she looks like she's a Monteith stick insect. She looks like a uh, leaf, yeah. right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. she's got hands that go forward. In yeah. the Pikmin game, they go forward and they capture the Pikmin and they eat them. However, Ooh. in real life, it's given them a bad rap because in real know, life, just... leaf insects actually eat leaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I love how they've drawn inspiration from biology, real, real life things, yeah, insects, yeah. real creatures life creatures, and, and adapted them to the game. So yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, cool. it's, it's yeah. really wow. cool. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. 
Good one. If there are any more science of computer games that we like, we'll totally. have to give them a go. Yeah, yeah it's good. That was really fun. Good pick, Lindsay. I love yeah. that. <laughs> that so or fun. good Pikmin, as they might say. But, oh. yeah. Yeah. but Caroline, I officially oh. now hand over the science mantle to you Thank so you. we can get some real science next time. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is great. This is real science. Yeah. Now, we're going to get a little bit over time, so maybe we'll skip entertainment this week and we'll, we can, we do have lots, so uh, yeah, so we'll keep some in the back pocket and we'll, look, we'll talk about it next time. And I think, yeah, let's wrap up the show right here. So before we go, uh, we'd love to thank you for listening to episode 113 of The Catholics of Oz and joining us for some of our topics. Before we go, as always, we would t- love to take a moment to thank um, our patrons who make it possible for us to create this show. So today we would love to thank Bo B, Mark R, Brian B, Kenneth W, and Emily F. Through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give, they make it possible for the Catholics of Oz and all of the other shows at StarQuest to continue. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd love to know what you thought about uh, our topics today, about the thresholds of conversion. Is this something that you're familiar with or hearing for the first time? Or is it something that you might look at? It's something you've noticed in when you run RCIA or in your own journey. So we'd love to know more about that. And are you a fan of Pikmin? Caroline will talk to you for hours and hours and hours and she'd be Just very happy to do that. Have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've got to say a streaming yeah. service, Caroline. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. Caroline's Pikmin Twitch channel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, we've got there a Discord go. channel, but yeah, that's, that's different. It. Yeah. That's you can send us feedback about our topics by visiting sqpn.com slash Oz, spelt O-Z, where you can also find the links for today's episode. While you're on the SQPN website, don't forget to sign up to the Insiders Club newsletter and get updates about your favorite shows, sqpn.com slash about slash newsletter. And as Lino mentioned, SQPN has a Discord community. Come along and join us as part of the discussion sqpn.com slash discord starquest has socials all over the place facebook and and twitter slash x and instagram so just search for sqpn or starquest on those and you can sign up and follow the latest news there and we have our own facebook page facebook.com slash catholics of oz or an email address catholics of oz at sqpn.com where you can get in touch with us as well caroline so good to have you back thank you so much for joining us for this for this episode where you get to talk about Pikmin without, <laughs> Thank you. without having to force your way to talk about it. So, yeah. <laughs> the, per- the perfect episode to rejoin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. And Lido, thank you so much for being part of the show too. It has been awesome, guys. Thank you very much and have a good day, everyone, all our listeners. Yep. It's a, oh, it was second episode. Oh. Of the year, yep. Of the year. Yep. It's cruising along. It is, yeah. it is, it is 2024 and I haven't talked about it for a while. I'll probably use to talk about it a lot, but the weather is beautiful outside at the moment. So yes, I think lovely. it's time to reach out and talk to each other and everything like that and enjoy Pikmin. Go to the beach. Oh, go to the beach. Yeah. Yes, yes. We can go outside and photosynthesize. Where, yeah, there you go. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Get the oh, chloroplast so going. Put on the yeah. sunscreen. Definitely the sunscreen. do. We do, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great. And once again, I'm Lindsay Sands, and thank you so much for listening to episode 113 of The Catholics of Oz on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, The Secrets of Technology. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology. We'd like to thank Patrick McCaffrey of Moonshadow Studios for editing this episode. To have your audio edited professionally and with care, Check out more of Patrick's work at moonshadowstudios.biz. That's moonshadowstudios.biz.